0: uh so it's it is great to be here it's it's great uh to get a chance to speak on a wednesday wednesday evening and uh be a part of the study of the book of james um you know the book of james as we've gone through it is very christians in his time and in our time to truly live out the faith that we're called to in christ that not to just be hearers, but to be doers of the word. To to practice, truly practice, to truly uh, be sincere in applying the teachings of Christ to our lives and living those out in our lives. And a part, a big part of that, um, we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, we're going to talk about, uh, or James talks about, um, bridling the tongue. Um, you know, uh, I don't know about you, but I think I've got this one whipped. I mean, it's there's nothing to this, right? <laughs> uh, well, let's see. If anyone among you, this is going back to James chapter 1. So this theme of bridling the tongue is is not just in the third chapter, but James has mentioned uh, in the first chapter a couple of things that we'll kind of point back to. Tonight that how important how important as a Christian it is to control our tongue. Um, he says, if anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Um, and so he says this is very this is so foundational to us in living the Christian life to to control our tongue. He says, if we if we profess Christianity, but we don't control our tongue, we are voiding all of the all of our influence we are we are negating our faith in Christ by denying Christ in the way that we use our mouth in the in the words that we speak um, um so it, it this is yeah again it's it's just foundational very foundational to us um to control our tongue and so we spend a lot of our time talking. I don't think we realize how much of our time we spend talking or e- even in just communication. So this is just studies I found on the internet. I mean, I didn't go and verify this or anything, but I thought it was interesting. Uh, studies suggest that on average, we spend 24% of our waking day speaking and about 30 36% listening to others. And so in just conversation- half of our day, half of our waking time is spent in conversation. And when you throw in, when we're listening to other things like reading words in social media or listening to things or watching television, all of those things, a, a large por- portion of our day is consumed in some form of communication in either words that we're speaking, words that we're reading, words that we are listening to. So it, it's a huge part of our lives. Uh, maybe y'all think about that i i sometimes that just is lost on me how much time we do spend in communication. This one kind of struck me the average english speaking person says seven thousand words per day. that makes me tired just thinking about it um i didn't realize that I mean it maybe you know that's probably some people use a lot fewer words some people probably use a lot more but uh according to this on average that's kind of so when you think about um Controlling your tongue, being mindful of the words that you use, we have a lot to account for. There's a, there's a ton a ton that we have to, to be conscious of, to be think thinking about. Um, James begins here in chapter 3, verse 1. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. So he's beginning... To talk to us about controlling our tongue, and he begins by speaking specifically to those who are who who would teach, who desire to teach, and he says, "Understand this: you are going to be held to a higher standard. If you're if you're going to be a, if you're going to teach others about being a Christian, and a part of that is teaching others to control your tongue, then you better be practicing what you're preaching. You better be mindful of the words that you use, and especially." When you are teaching, to be to be very conscientious of the words that you use to make sure that the things that you're saying are edifying, that they're upbuilding, that they are instructive, that they are encouraging, and above all, that they are from God's word, and that they are, whatever you say is in harmony with God's word. But 1 First Peter four and eleven, Peter said, "If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God, or let him speak according to the word of God." Um, So we know, I mean, that it kind of goes without saying, but um, again, James is very practical here, and this is something we have to be very mindful of, but it's not only teachers that this applies to. This applies to all of us, because in reality, we are all seeking to be teachers, right? I mean, what is the point of communication, right? It's either to instruct, to inform, to persuade, to influence. I mean, that's why we use words, right? That's the reason we speak, uh, or, or simply commun- to communicate, to express our ideas. But, but in our words, we are teaching. We are teaching others, especially if we are Christians and people are watching us and they're listening to our words. I mean, we're, we're all going to be held to an account for the words that we use. James says, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. So he begins by saying, we all stumble in a lot of ways. We all have weaknesses. We all have frailties. We all make mistakes. We all sin. We We all do these things. He says, but the hardest of all of those things is controlling the tongue. Again, (laughs) <laughs> I think we exercise it more than everything else, right? If we're, if we're using 7,000 words a day, I mean, that tongue's getting a lot of exercise. And so it's something that has to, is constantly has to be monitored, constantly has to be controlled or bridled as this theme that James uses to bridle, to control, to harness, to, to take control of. Um, he says, if you're able to control your tongue, you're perfect. You know, we say, well, ain't none of us perfect, <laughs> right? Um, he says, but he, you're right. He's, he's saying it's, it's, it's an impossibility for you, for us as humans to control, completely control our tongue. But if we were able to do that, we would be in, con- is, is in Justin's lesson on Sunday, we would have complete self-control. We would, we would be in control of ourselves if we could do that. Um, this perfection is not attainable to us by ourselves, but I believe with God, we can learn. We, it is not impossible for us to gain control of our tongue. <clears throat> so James goes on and he uses these illustrations. Indeed, we put a bit in the horse's mouth that they may obey us and we turn their whole body. So he he uses the example of a bit that goes in the horse's mouth and it, it lays over the horse's tongue and be it's in an uncomfortable position. And so when you're riding and I'm not a I've ridden horses before, but not a lot. I'm not a horse person. But uh you can control the horse, right? By by with the reins, by directing, because of that bit in its mouth that's going to turn it this this uh very large animal, very powerful animal is controlled by this very small device. Uh, He's directed by this small device. And so he also says, look at the ships, although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. So again, there's, there's a rudder. I'm not a, a ship person either. Um, but, you know, you, you have these huge ocean-going vessels, and there's a small rudder that is determining the direction of that ship. And in turning that ship, it is having to fight against some, some very contrary things, waves and winds, and, or the horse, the power of the horse. You're having to, to fight against the urgence, the urges of the horse to go a different direction. And he's saying, you know, it's the same thing in controlling our tongue, that we are having to fight against those, the fleshly nature, right? The things that we would want to do as, as humans, the reactions that we would want to have. So we have to, we are fighting to control the tongue against the natural um, things that we would want to do as, as, a, as, a, as a human being. He says, even so a tongue, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a force a little fire kindles. So he says, even the look at the tongue. Just as the horse is directed by the bit, just as the ship is directed by the rudder, <clears throat> the tongue is also very powerful. It's, it's a very small part of our body. Um, but it, it, it wields great power and great uh, influence. Um, and we have to be aware of that. He says... Look at how great of a forest a little fire kindles. Have you ever started a fire? <laughs> I have. Um, if you, when I when I was a when I was a teenager, and I worked I worked out at Lake Meredith, and and uh, we uh, one of my part of my job was to clean out uh, the weeds and things that grew up around the fire hydrants, and so early in the year in the summer, I had, I had that job, and my boss came by and saw me, you know, working to get all that stuff out of the wind. He said, why don't you just burn that? Okay, sure, you know, so it wasn't a windy day. The, the, there was, you know, it was fairly wet. We'd had rain recently. I, I, I set the weeds on fire. I had my shovel. I controlled it. I, it all burned away, and it was no problem. A couple of months later, I was having to do a different area, and I thought, huh, I'll just burn this out. You know, I wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed, but, you know, I wasn't paying that much attention to how much different the conditions were that I was working in than they had been a couple of months prior. It was a lot drier. There was a little bit of wind that day. And so I, I got everything ready. I, I, I turned around. I, I threw a match in amongst some dry weeds. I turned around to get my shovel, and when I looked back, that fire went, whoosh. I mean, like that, it was, it was gone. I, I, I tried chasing it down, tried to get my shovel. I was not catching up with that fire. And it was moving across what was open ground toward what was a residential area some distance away. And I did have the sense to go back to the, the shop and, and get my boss and say, hey, I, I messed up. I got, we started this fire, so he called the, 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 uh, volunteer fire department, um, from the little town right there, like, which I can't, Sanford, Sanford, it was the Sanford volunteer fire department, which in the summer consisted of every kid that wasn't in school <laughs> at that time, so he had about 30 junior, elementary, junior high to probably early high school kids that come out there on an old fire truck, and all of them have, uh, blankets wet blankets and they run out in that field and they're beating that fire and before long they had it put out and I was I was just whew. that was an experience I will never forget that if you ever start a fire <laughs> you'll never forget it but what it makes you realize is what James is referring to here that you got to understand your words are powerful they they can if, if you say the wrong thing at the wrong time in a tinderbox of emotions or uh, people, you can't bring it back. Once, once, once the words leave your mouth, you cannot bring them back. Um, so he says, you have to be very mindful how powerful, you know, uh, not to d- dwell on fires here, but, um, you know, the, the the fires in Maui recently, you know, anytime you see uh, these forest fires in Colorado or New Mexico or, or in California, I mean, it's always a small thing that starts those, right? It, it's just one uh, innocent dropping of a match or a cigarette, or a high line, a power line falls, and a spark hits the dry grass, and there it goes, and it's it's off. So, um, that's 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 how words work. That's how how words can be destruction of our lives. And you say, well, that's kind of a, really. How how do you figure that? Well. You know you think about the power power of words um you know genesis chapter one god said let there be light you know god spoke the power of god's word spoke the universe into existence and i'm not saying we that our words are as powerful as god's by any means but our designer our creator gave us the ability to communicate and to speak. And there is definitely power that is directing in the words that we use. You know, everything starts with words. Everything starts with an idea, with a plan, with communication, every activity, every action begins with words. And the purpose again is to inform, to persuade, to influence. The power of suggestion is very powerful. Um, A story I heard a long time ago, a baseball pitcher uh, back uh, when I was very young, or probably a little bit before my time, his name was Warren Spahn, and he told a story about he was pitching in the World Series, and there was a power hitter coming up to to the plate. I can't remember who it was, but his manager came out to talk to him uh, to pitch, and he said, whatever you do, don't throw him a high outside pitch. He'll knock it out of the park, and left. He said... In my mind, all I had in mind before that was I was going to throw an inside pitch. He said, but once he put that thought in my mind, no matter how hard I tried to throw it inside, he said, I threw it right in the exact spot he told me not to. He said, you know, the power of suggestion is powerful. And he said, what did he do? He hit it out of the park. He said, never try to motivate somebody by telling them what not to do. Tell them what you want them to do. Um, you know, like the, but like the rudder and like the, um, the bridle. Oh, this is not a touch screen. Sorry. (laughs) Um, we have to, uh, our words, our words direct our lives. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that, about how that works. But, but if you think, if you listen to your words, if you if you go through your days, pay attention to the words that you say. Are the words that you're speaking directing you to a stronger relationship with God, to a stronger relationship with your, with your loved ones, with, with your brothers and sisters in Christ? Are the words that you're speaking making you a better, directing you to be a better student, a better employee Uh, better at whatever it is that you're seeking to accomplish. Our words are powerful. Uh, There's a a little poem I learned a long time ago, and it it says this. I have a little robot that goes around with me. I tell it what I'm thinking. I tell it what I see. I tell my little robot all my hopes and fears. It listens and remembers everything it hears, At first, my little robot followed my commands, but after years of training, it's gotten out of hand. It doesn't care what's right or wrong or what is false or true. No matter what I tell it now, it tells me what to do. And basically what that is saying is be careful of what you put into your mind. Be careful of what you put into your mind because whatever you put into your mind is someday going to come back out. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about that uh, as we go, go along here. But the whole point is this. Be mindful of the words that you speak because they are not only powerful to others, they were the power and the influence of our words is also something that affects us. <clears throat> Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. <clears throat> In the power of words, we have the ability to build up. We have the power to tear down. We we can encourage, we can discourage. We can edify or we can corrupt. We can bring joy or we can bring sorrow. What a powerful statement uh, in the Proverbs. Colossians 4 and 6 says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Every word that we speak, he says, let it be seasoned with salt. Think about the words that you speak. Think about how those words will be received by whoever you are talking to. We we want to frame our words so that they are welcomed, so that they are easy to receive by who we are talking to. Not that we are going to be deceitful, but we just we don't have to be harsh. We don't have to be. Uh, contrary, we need to be conscious of how our words affect other people. We can disagree with people without being disagreeable. But, but uh, Paul is telling us, just like James, be very conscientious of the words that you use. Controlling our words begins with what? Controlling our thoughts. <clears throat> you know, I talked about that with ourselves, it's impossible <laughs> to completely control our tongue. And it is. But we're called to strive to do that. And, you know, Paul in 2 Corinthians 10 says that we need to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Controlling our tongues begins with controlling our thoughts. We need to guard our minds. Um, And, you know, you look at the words of Jesus here in Matthew chapter 12. He's talking to the Pharisees. Who, have, who are blaspheming because they are t- saying that Jesus the miracles that Jesus is doing is by the power of Satan or by the power of Beelzebub and he says to them, you brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? for out of the abundance of the heart the mouths out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth, evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account for in the day of judgment. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. 7,000 words a day. (laughs) Every idle word. It makes you think, doesn't it? Um, How important is it that we control our tongues? But even more important, how to, to do that, that we control our minds. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Again, we have to be careful what we put into our mind. What are we doing to guard our minds? <clears throat> Philippians chapter 4 tells us that prayer is a way that we guard our minds. By being anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God in the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And I won't dwell on this verse a lot, but just understand that we, it, it takes purposeful action, purposeful um, exercise to guard our minds, to, to want to be in control of our thoughts so that we can control our, our tongues and control <clears throat> our actions. And Paul goes on to say, whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely of good report, any virtue or anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Again, we're talking about guarding the mind, being careful of what we put into our minds. Be careful that we we shut out the evil, we shut out the bad, that we, which is, it's all around us, right? It's in the media, it's in the social media, it's in all all of those things. We can't allow those things to, con- to control our minds, and we need to be careful what we allow to go in there. But Paul says you make sure you put in the good things. Shut out the bad. Put in the good. If, if we are having problems controlling our tongue, it's because we're having problems controlling our thoughts. And so if we're having problems controlling our thoughts, we may need to make a concerted effort <clears throat> to purify our minds. To, to shut out the bad things, to put in the good things. <clears throat> James 3 and 6, 6 says, And the tongue is they fire, it's a wor- world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire <clears throat> by hell. So again, the tongue is very destructive. The tongue can be very destructive. Um... <clears throat> Some of you are younger than me. Some of you are older than me. I'm almost 63, 63 years. I think every possible mistake that you can make with your tongue I have made. <laughs> I mean, straight up, every, every error that you can make in the words that you say, the way that you say them, who you say them to, <clears throat> I think in my lifetime, I think I have experienced all of it. Um, the word, the, the tongue is destructive. It is destructive when, we, when our words are spoken recklessly. <clears throat> there are times in my life when I can look back and, and realize that I was making a very good effort at controlling my tongue. That when I became a Christian and began living the Christian life, that I, it, I recognized this is something that's very important. And so with every conversation, I would go through the mental gymnastics of thinking about how am I going to speak? How are the words that I'm going to use in this situation? But then I also can look back and realize, you know, there are times we become complacent. We, we do a good job for a while and all of a sudden we think we can be on cruise control <clears throat> and we can, we can become reckless in the words that we use and the way that we say things. I, I can look back at how I have hurt people's feelings totally unintentionally, when I wasn't even talking to them, but I was talking to someone else in a joking or jesting manner. And I said something that I didn't realize was very painful to someone else who was within hearing distance. I didn't check my, I didn't check my tongue. I allowed myself to become, I allow, I I allowed myself to put my guard down. And I don't know if that's ever happened to you. Hopefully it hasn't. Um, but that's happened to me more than once, that I've, I've hurt someone's feelings unintentionally because of that. But you know what else I've done? <laughs> there are times that I have said words intentionally to cause someone pain. I'm sure you've never done that, um, but I have. Um, there are times when I was upset at someone. Um, maybe they had said something to me that hurt and my instinct was, I'm looking for your vulnerable spot, and I'm going to apply pressure right there with, with the knife of a word. Um, it's destructive. It's destructive. It, just, it, it hurts people. It destroys relationships. Um, fortunately, or unfortunately, sometimes those things happen with the people that we love the most, the people that we are closest to, but you know what? It's, it's those people who are most likely to forgive us, right? Um, if we make that mistake with somebody else, it's, it's hard to ever recover that relationship. <clears throat> Proverbs 12 and 18 says, There is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. The words are like the piercing of a sword. Um, yeah, that's, that's it, isn't it? Well, what a description. But what this tells us is we always have a choice. In all of those situations and circumstances, what does he say? But the tongue of the wise promotes health. The tongue of the wise stops and thinks. It's obe- it submits to the obedience of Christ, our thoughts, so that the words that come out of our mouth are not, to be, not in, or with an evil intent or malicious intent. But they are to heal, to restore, to promote that relationship. Words spoken in anger. Guilty. Guilty again, more than once. Back in James chapter 1, James said, So then, beloved brethren, brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. It doesn't. <laughs> there is absolutely nothing positive that comes out of speaking in anger in an uncontrolled manner. And I think we all, I think I'm preaching to the choir. <laughs> but I'm preaching most of all to myself. <clears throat> For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So what is James telling us? And he's talking here not just about situa- situations of uh, a disagreement, but in any situation that we are, we are swift to hear, pay attention, listen to the, observe the circumstances, um, or if it's listening to God's word, uh, whatever the situation, listen, pay attention, process what's going on, be slow to speak, slow to wrath, make sure that our words are measured that we use in those situations, that we do not speak out in anger with hurtful words. The words of a tailbearer are a gossip. Proverbs 16 and 27 says, An ungodly man digs up evil, and, and it is on his lips like a burning fire. A perverse man sows strife, and a whisperer separates the best of friends. You know, if you pay attention to politics at all, the sport of politics... <laughs> Which it is. Um, what what is the what is the target of your opponent? You're the target of your opponent, or what you try to your, do to your opponent. You're trying to dig up dirt, right? You're trying to find. They're always trying to find dirt on whoever their opponent is to make them look as bad as possible. To take something out of context to and apply it in a way that makes that person look bad. Um, and we know that's politics. That doesn't, doesn't excuse it but unfortunately that happens a lot in life too, doesn't it? That, that people want to talk about some individual or some person that they'd heard something about, whether it's true or not, whether they have any evidence, and then they go and repeat it to someone else. And that is destructive. It is very destructive. Um, the proverb says, it is a perverse man who sows strife and a whisperer, a gossiper, separates the best of friends uh, by by repeating things that are half-truths or not-truths or, you know, the, I heard the illustration a long time ago about a person who had a real hard time with gossiping and they went to, they went to the, the an elder of the church and they said, I really have a problem with this and I I really don't know how to overcome it. And he said, I'll tell you what, he said, he went back in his office and he got a feather pillow and he he cut it open and he walked outside and he shook that feather pillow in the wind and the feathers just went like this. He said, think about this. He said, every time you open your your mouth and gossip and spreading rumors or things that about people that you have no business talking about. He said, it's like, it's like what I just did. And he said, if you want to undo what you just did, you go, you go catch all those feathers and bring them back. Can't do it. Once you let the words go, they're gone. You talk about setting on fire. Why do people gossip? Why, we, why do people like to gossip? Number one, because people are shallow because they're superficial, because some people just want the entertainment of drama in their lives. And so at the, at others' expense, they tell, they are a talebearer to others. Some people are jealous. Some people are jealous of someone and therefore they go around talking. If they, if they hear something about that person that is in a negative light, they go around wanting to spread that to make that person look bad in the eyes of others. Or maybe Someone is just very judgmental and bitter. They have nothing good to say about anybody. So any opportunity to to cast someone in a negative light, they're happy to, to participate. But not so with us. Proverbs 18 and 8 says, the words of a talebearer bearer are wounds and they go down to the innermost parts of the belly. It is it is so hurtful for people to for for people to be degraded by tales, by, by false things, by rumors, by gossip. Um, Proverbs 26 and 20 says, where no wood is, there, is a, there the fire goes out. So where there is no tail bearer, the strife ceases. What is our job as Christians? When someone is gossiping, when someone's talking about someone who they don't have any business talking about or talking to someone about something that's none of their business, <clears throat> I heard it illustrated that if you're talking to someone about a situation in which they are neither part of the problem or part of the solution, you're probably gossiping because that, that's not that person's business. So our job is to put out the fire. It goes no further. If someone is telling us something about someone, it ends here. We're not going to perpetuate the gossip because words are destructive, the tongue is destructive. Our words that are designed to deceive are lies. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. A man who bears false witness against his neighbor is like a club, a sword, and a sharp arrow. He bruises, he strikes, he pierces that person by bearing a false witness, by telling lies about that person. How deeply are people bruised and hurt by the tongue, by the words? How powerful and influential are the words that we speak? For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of, of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. I got a couple of Airedales. I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> I don't know. No, I'm just teasing. They could be tamed. Um, but no man can contain the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. And so, and so we say, well, there's my out clause, right? There's my excuse. It, 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 James just said it's impossible. <laughs> no, <laughs> we, we are called to control our tongues. We may not always be successful, but we may not always, we may fail and we will fail from something from time to time, but we are called to do this. Again, To bring every thought into the captivity uh, of the obedience of Christ. To control our thoughts and to control our tongues. Psalm 141 and 3 says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Set a guard. Set a guard over the words that we speak. Before you speak, you've seen these probably at different times. I don't know if this is the one that you've always seen, but I, I thought it was appropriate. Before you speak, think, Is what I'm going to say the truth. Is it necessary for me to say this? Is it edifying for me to say this? Is it timely? Is it the right time to say this? Is it kind? Does it glorify God? If we and I'm not saying you have to repeat all these things, but this is, I mean, have a filter on our words. Have a filter on our mouth. To think about the words that we're using, why we're using them—is it godly? Is it for edifying? Is it glorifying? Ephesians four and twenty-nine says, "Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. No corrupt word." The words that we talked about tonight—all of those—all of those instances are corruption, right? Those are corrupt words. But what is good for necessary? What is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace? to the hearers, imparting grace to the hearers. Let our words be seasoned with salt. Make sure that the words that we speak are kind, that they are edifying, that they are glorifying to God, um, that we may encourage those. This is a text I received recently, and I'm just using this because we've talked about all the negative power of the tongue. You also have to think about the positive power, which we don't have time because I've, I've used over time. <laughs> Talking about the negative things. But this is a text that was sent. You may have received, this, received the same text. It's from Ram Rodriguez, if you're on his text list. And the, it, periodically I get these, and they just show up. And it is so encouraging. It's hard to exp- explain. And, you know, you're going through your routine of your day, and you're dealing with the situations that you have to deal with, and then you get a text that says this. As morning breaks, may the Lord provide a blessed day to give you peace and strength. To face the day, <clears throat> In whatever situation you may f- face, praise the Lord for another opportunity to lift someone's burdens and to let them see Christ living in you, so they may praise your Father in heaven. Keep smiling. It may be the last ray of sunshine someone might see, soldier on. Whew, sorry. <laughs> that may not, may not strike your heart, it does mine, because I need that. I need encouragement. I need to know somebody else is out there in the fight with me that they understand the struggles and that they are willing to take time out of their day to encourage others sorry (laughs) Um, but that's important isn't it isn't this the kind of person we want to be not the person who's destructive with the words that we use but who is encouraging who is Christ like in the words that we use, who takes time in a positive way to use words to lift others up. <clears throat> Finishing the chapter. <clears throat> with it, with our tongue we bless God and the Father, and with it we curse men, and who, who have been made in the similitude of God, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. We shouldn't be a contradiction in our lives. We shouldn't be out of our mouth come praise and and cursing. We shouldn't be a contradiction. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Of course not. Thus, no spring yields, both salt, water, and fresh. So should should it be with us in the tongue. But what is the tongue speaking? It's what's in the heart, right? What's in the heart is going to spill out in the tongue. So, if we're having a tongue problem, we got a we got a thought problem. So, we got to fix that first. <clears throat> Again, if anyone among you thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, he deceives his own heart, and this one's religion, religion is vain. We we've, we've got to realize the importance, the foundational importance of controlling our tongue, because death and life are in the power of the tongue. <clears throat> that is. Uh, the study of James chapter 3 verses 1 through 12. If there's anyone we can assist tonight uh, through obedience of the gospel or in prayers or in any other way, we invite you to come forward as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.